Welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates. I'll be your host, and this podcast exists to help you improve your communication skills. Whether you communicate one-on-one, to a team, from a stage, or from behind a screen, we know that when we improve our communication skills as leaders, it exponentially changes everything. It improves our relationships, it improves our leadership skills, and it improves our business skills. So let's get ready to dive into this next episode. Can't wait to talk because it is uh, something that I've been doing for a long, long time in my life, and I'm at a a pivotal part in my life where I'm just trying to learn everything I can from seasoned entrepreneurs, speakers, leaders, business owners, and I'm just beyond humbled to have the guests that we do today. So those of you who are listening, who've always wanted to be a successful speaker, you've wanted to be a professional speaker, you've wanted to leave your day job and be a speaker, or maybe you want to plan live events and you want to host these type of uh, transformative life-changing events for different leaders. This is your episode. We're going to talk about how you can move from, you know, um, just kind of uh, your passion area to making a living. And so I just can't wait to interview our guest. I'm honored to interview Terry Weaver. He's the author and podcast Fly. He's had uh, amazing guests on his podcast, including Seth Godin and John Acuff and Jesse Cole, to name a few. I mean, all of those are like Holy cow, they're just incredible. And here's what I love the most about him. He, he's incredibly generous. Uh, he invited me to be a part of his Think Conference uh, last month uh, in Orlando, and I walked away with just, I mean, buckets and buckets of learnings and notes, and I've just been so excited to get to know him. Terry, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Welcome. Well, man, it's good to be here. We can definitely talk about live events and how to make pennies and pennies. Um, <laughs> definitely don't go and start live events because you want to get rich. Um, and I would say that about speaking too, man. It's like, it's a, you know, it, it's interesting that you, you, you kind of set us up that way because I was talking to one of our other speakers from the thing. Um, Cabrina, Ashley and I were, have been working on a kind of a project together and she's definitely someone you should have on the show. Um, we were sitting, uh, having lunch at, um, my favorite local Chinese restaurant uh, because they have a $10 lunch special. <laughs> and because uh, why would you not go somewhere in 2023 that has a good $10 lunch special, right? Right. Because um, those aren't the McDonald's. I don't think you could even get out of there for that anymore. And um, we were there and we were, we were looking around the restaurant and we were thinking about, you know, if you were to go and start a restaurant, how much money you would have to invest to start a restaurant. You know, the tables, the chairs, the business, the business, the stocking of the kitchen, you know, in their case, the stocking of the bar, the graphic design company that you'd have to hire to build a website and to build an online ordering and have to into to, you know, integrate your your business with all of the delivery apps and all of these things. Right. Um, and yet so many people get into this space that you and I kind of live in of speaking and writing and having a you know knowledge based business or an influence based business and they don't invest a penny and they wonder why they fail at it um mm. they don't invest in themselves they don't actually you know do the work that it would take to start any other business i mean even if even if you were going to go be like an hvac repairman you'd have to go and buy a van and you'd have to buy tools you know, and we think we can buy a MacBook Pro and a website with our with, with our with our name as the website URL, and think that's what it takes to be a speaker and be a successful 
um, co- business coach or consultant. And man, it goes so much deeper than mm. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, before we jump in, because I can't wait to jump into more of that. Yeah. I, Some of the hard- in, in my former life, I was a motivational speaker, but today <laughs> I might just be a demotivational speaker. Uh, <laughs> no, I and, love it. You know, just sometimes you've got to know. I wish that somebody had sat me down years ago and kind of gave me the like, you know, what is this? What is it really like? You know, what are, what is, you know, what is, what are all of the facets and what are all the pieces and what are the people, you know, that are, that are teaching this, that aren't actually just trying to sell you something, but actually trying to help you Mm. um, learn how to be successful at this and how to take, you know, because I do think there's a significant shift and change in your life that happens when you move for getting paid to what you know, not for what you do. And, um, you know, that's what speakers are. They're people who hop on stage and people pay them for their knowledge. They're not getting paid for their ability to be a great orator, their ability to say quotable, tweetable things or, or, or exable things now, whatever that is. Right. And, <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting paid because you have a, you have a knowledge that has the ability to, um, impart change to enact, you know, division. I remember one of my good friends, Chuck Basalmo, and I were talking about, um, and he spoke at the thing, one of my favorite humans on the uh, on planet Earth. Mm. You and him kind of also have a similar trajectory. Chuck is currently a pastor in um, Southern Virginia, but also kind of making shifts and changes to what he does. And he's also one of his, he's a business coach that coaches real estate agents. Mm. And he was, he was going to speak at a big real estate conference. And he's like, you know, Terry, you know, I, I have to decide what I'm going to charge these people and how I go about charging charging them what I charge them is I know that if I make this room full of real estate agents 1% better, that if they sell 1% more um, real estate in the next business year, I know how much money that is. Mm. And so if I'm going to impart that kind of change, I'm priceless to those people. And I have to, I have to be compensated as such. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more about your story, how you've gotten to the place you're at now. What are all those moments that kind of led up to there? Man, it's such a journey, you know, like, (laughs) I think we all, we all like want to have like that Paul and Silas moment where like God shows up and like speaks in the clouds and you know what you're doing. And and, and my, my life has been more of a, has been more of a Darwin life, you know, (laughs) like it's been more of an evolution um, because you know, I started in the in the mid '90s. Um, I went to a very conservative um, Christian high school. Um, like for those of you who have a church background, like we used to call Liberty University liberal university. Um, <laughs> if that gives you any 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 indication, um, and I went to uh, I'll spell it out. And most of your listeners, your listeners of faith will know this journey as um, we talk about. Uh, I went to Bob Jones University as oh, a 16-year-old, yeah. and uh, I still have the Bible that they gave me when I got done preaching. I preached about the woman of the well on the stage of Bob Jones University, and I blew the doors off the building. I spoke in front of at, – at, at 15, 16, I spoke in front of 3,000 – you know, they called them preacher boys. And Bob Jones the third came up to me and said, son, uh, this is your gospel gun. Let us help you load it, <laughs> which I'm not even sure – I'm still not even sure what that means. Uh, I don't want to, we'll not unpack the theology of that on your podcast today. Uh, but so for, from that perspective, my journey kind of la- led me down. Um, I, I kind of decided that like the traditional path 
I really didn't want to go to Bob Jones. I knew that wasn't where, where I needed to be. And I had an opportunity just to kind of, uh, my mom, um, had had my little brother and her husband had left her and, um, I knew I needed to be home. So we started going, I started going to community college mm. and like my first week at community college, there was a sign that said youth pastor wanted, you know, and I was, you know, basic, basically the qualifications were, was that you have a pulse. Um, and it was a whopping a hundred dollars a week. And <laughs> yep. I, I took, I took that job and, but through that job, I went to a, a network of youth pastors and um started going to was led by the national network of youth ministries if you know that organization from back in the day oh yeah i met a dude i met a dude who was a brilliant brilliant leader he had a youth group of 500 and a couple other guys and i started just they started just they started to know my giftedness for communication mm. and they started to invite me to come speak at their events and their disciple nows um you know one of the questions one of the questions I saw that you sent over was, you know, when was your first gig? And I'm thinking like, man, my first gig was probably like at a, at a disciple now at a cow farm, you know, like in, in the living room speaking to students and, you know, like, and I think I got 50 bucks for the weekend. And uh, <laughs> back in the day, that was, you know, in 1996, that was big disciple now money. And um, I, you know, th that transitioned into me doing that. And I, and I started getting on stages and, you know, doing, you know, getting paid to do people's youth camps. Um, Leslie and I, my wife got married in 98 and that summer things really picked up. I almost spoke. Um, I had the opportunity to go. Sp I was, I was offered a position to speak for Fuge. Um, oh, wow. For Centerfuge that summer. And I said, no, um, it huh. probably was a, it's probably a bad decision. Uh, but there was one church that had offered to pay me more and for speaking a week at their camp because it was their budget. Because I always ask people back to the back in the day, like, what's your budget? And whatever their budget yep. was, is normally what I went for. If, if I didn't lose my, you know, if it was, if it was reasonable. And I went to go speak for, for that church in, in, in West Palm Beach, Florida, which actually um, turns out to be the same church that one of my, one of my people I really look up to, a guy named John Maxwell, where he's kind of, Oh. He's kind of been on the you know adjunct staff at at that church, and that was yep. the, I went and did their youth camp, and you know started doing youth camps all over the country, and started doing um, that that youth camp. There was a little band that was the was the concert band that night, and they were they were called Skillet. Um, <laughs> we had some some I think one of the worst kids that led worship was from a little a little a little church in Australia called Hillsong. <laughs> and, um, you know, all of these just weird things happened and I, you know, I, I ended up moving to that. We ended up moving to Nashville in 2001, um, and working with Christian artists and working with worship leaders and, and kind of, cause I realized as a speaker that, that I, um, that I needed, I needed, I needed to be able to package myself with the artists, uh, because the artists were making all of the money, you know, mm. I would go do a youth camp and. I'd be getting a thousand dollars and, you know, audio general would be getting $25,000. And it was right. like, well, this is great. You know? And, you know, I knew, I knew that I was the one providing the transformation that they were really interested in. Um, and that's not a cocky thing, but it just, I knew that I knew that I was there to, you know, to, to, to make, have kids make decisions, whatever mm -hmm. those decisions were. And through that process, I early on in those years, probably that first, that first February, I did a school assembly, and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. It was a double-wide gym 
and we had a they had a, 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 a microphone that was in a guitar amp that just was reverb city and there was 400 kids you know spread out 300 yards across two basketball jams back to back not not side by side but you know back end to end Oof. it was the worst experience of my life i said i'll never do that again you know fast forward to you know years later here i am you know standing on stage in lufkin texas you know in an arena you know to to thousands and thousands of kids um doing school assemblies and that kind of shifted my life did school assemblies for a while um and then you know i that that kind of led me through a process where i literally left that school assembly and went to do a choir retreat um in waco texas and i knew after that weekend that i never wanted to preach to the choir anymore and so we we really tried to blow up our school assembly um model and it really just what what we learned was we had one option and that was just to go get secular fundraising um because mm. the church really wasn't interested in serving lost kids and that's who i wanted to reach Oof. i wanted to reach people far from god and the church didn't want to put their money where their mouth was um they just wanted you know i i i realized the harsh reality that most churches weren't interested in doing what they were commissioned to do that they were interested in um they were interested in you know babysitting church kids and sure. not actually and you know i was that's what i was really passionate about i was tired of speaking it like I did not want to do any more disciple now. So that kind of led me through a process. I met a buddy that um, I lived, we, we were living here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I knew, I, I knew, I knew all these people because I saw them every day at the coffee houses. We hung out. I knew Michael Hyatt and Michael Hyatt had a book called Platform come out. He's like, oh, you know, yeah. the platform. Like, yeah, no platform. He's like, you think you could help me do that membership thing? And we did a membership for him. It made a million dollars pretty quickly. And, uh, and that kind of shifted things for me. That relationship kind of went south because that's what happens a lot of times in in business when 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 you know Jesus is what's for sale sometimes. And uh, man, I'm just unpacking it all today. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to call my therapist after this. After this <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it was it was it was it was a season of disruption. And what I realized kind of towards the end of that process is what I really did is I thought. I thought I moved to Nashville to work with bands, but what I really was doing this whole time was working with brands mm. that I was building these, these people who had big dreams and they had them in their garage. And that was the same thing I was doing through this membership. Cause I basically, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I basically ghost wrote all of his content for him. Mm. Um, he had, he didn't have a whole lot to say um, that was of any use to anybody other than some inspirational things. So we turned it into, we created a curriculum and, um, you know, I had no idea the value of the service that I was providing for somebody. Um, but you know, you, you learn that as you grow. Right. And so, right. you know, through that process, you know, I began, you know, we did a conference together in Southern California and through that, you know, we did one and it was really successful. And then we, we did another and it was just, we, we grew, we grew, we grew apart because we were both starting to ask questions about, um, you know, Hey, this isn't working for me. This isn't working for you. Um, e ego is a very interesting thing to manage when you talk about the work that I do sometimes and helping people be successful. Nobody wants, nobody wants to admit that somebody helped them get there. 
Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about, you know, one of my least favorite phrases in business, man, is the term self-made. No one is mm. self-made. Yep. Everyone has a has a village that's risen up around them that probably goes back to their childhood or their hometown of people. You know, for me, you know, I, I look back at it. I look back at some key people, you know, my youth pastor and um, Alan Wilson, the first guy that I was an intern for. And Mrs. Shawn, my third grade teacher and these people that stepped out and believed in me. And, you know, like even like Seth Godin, who when I emailed him as some random, you know, snotty nose entrepreneur that had a brand new podcast and he said, Heck, y'all be on your podcast. Jeez. And you know, emailed him again, and he said, you know, a few weeks ago, and said, yeah, man, I'll be on your podcast again. It's been a while. Let's do it. Um, can you do it Tuesday? And um, I've just been blessed with, you know, with 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 stepping through doors and taking action um, and, and learning from a lot of mistakes along the way. And, you know, it's got me to this place now where I'm an author, speaker, do a conference called The Thing, and really – really just want to help people who have great the thing was really born out of like this idea that I had a lot of friends that had a I, I had two groups of friends I had one group of friends that wanted to do something with their life but didn't know anything about doing it and then I had this other group of friends that were kind of the world's best secret they had a brilliant talent they were great communicators but nobody knew who they were and I thought man if we could if we could fix that for both of those people we could probably make a difference um, and Oof, we've been doing yeah. that a while. I'm, I'm not sure we've totally fixed that, but we've definitely made a difference. Um, and we've created an amazing community in the process and we're not done yet. And so, um, now I speak and write and, um, go do some corporate training from time to time. So I have an interesting perspective cause you know, for the thing we've had over a hundred speakers that have been a part of it. And I've spoke for organizations, big and small, um, all over the country and a few around the world. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, I just wrote down about 10 questions from, you know, Oh Lord, listening to that, but you know, let's back up for a second. So what, what advice would you give? If we can make this a two parter for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might, it might need to be what, uh, what advice would you give to, you know, that person Who's thinking, okay, I, I, I crushed my presentations, you know, I've been asked to do a couple of these, you know, more special breakouts at our company's conferences. I think I might have something to offer and I want to start going down this road to, you know, become a speaker. And, you know, what 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 kind of early advice would you give them as they want to Man, start ask, moving? Ask the, the big, simple three-letter questions. And our first question would be who, you know? Who, who do I want to – who do I want to help? Mm. And then before you ask how or why, how, how or, or all the details, I want you to ask why, you know, why do you want to help them? Yeah. Why do you want to be the one, you know, and then, and then, and why should they care? Yeah. Why should they care that you're coming? And, um, you know, this is not, it, it's one of the speaking is one of the, the most difficult things that you will ever do. And yet in a lot of ways, it's very easy. Mm. Um, and the more that you can, you know, it's, it's, it's like we, I had, we, we got a group of entrepreneurs yesterday today in my town here. And we do this thing every year around the holidays called a hundred dollar tip lunch. And everybody that comes brings a hundred dollar bill and gives it to one of the main guys. And we tip our servers, you know, and we tip two servers that we had almost $2,000 yesterday. Wow. Um, 
you know, it, it rocked their Christmas, right? You know, their kids right. weren't going to get to have Christmas without it kind of thing. And it happens every year. It's the same narrative. It's amazing. But it's a reminder of like, you know, what we what we what we could do together. And, you know, and I think that's that's one of the things that you have to ask yourself is like, what are the things that you need? Who do you need to help you get there? Yeah. What 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 is it that you're really trying to do by being a communicator? What is it that that you want to do with your what 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 is some what is that message or that thing that you really think that you possess? Um and and, and the first thing that you've got to do, man, is just go and get go and get some at bats. Yes. Um, you know, the one thing that I was blessed to get through all of those years is people like, man. Speaking is so easy for you because I'll sit down with people all the time and I'll write them a talk in five or 10 minutes. Yeah. Because you know, I'll do, I can, I can, I, I can alliterate, you know, I've got this shovel. We could, I could do a talk on the shovel that didn't like it was a challenge, right? Just because um, it's funny. This is a, this is actually a shovel that we gave away at the thing 20, uh, 2022 about leaders that bury their genius. And so we keep this and, you know, Oof. I give everybody a shovel. I, I like, I like, things like this. I like objects. I want people to put this stuff on their desk and remember. Um, and, and mine literally stays on my desk because my desk is a mess. And um, it's proven the geniuses have messy desks. And I, I, I'm the proof <laughs> of it. And, um, but yeah, man, if you're starting, it, it is a very, it's a difficult thing to, to do. Um, but it's also, if, if you could go out and just get, say yes a lot. Like take yeah. a, anywhere that you can go and speak and, you know, we live in a world where you're probably carrying, you're carrying more of a TV production studio than, than, you know, when Jason and I were kids, what the TV stations had, you know, yep. turn that joker on and start talking to people, start getting some of bat, start podcasting, start live streaming, start talking to people, start, start working that muscle out, you know, and I, and through the years I was, I was, I had the chance, you know, to do that thousands and thousands of times, mm. you know, there I was in a week at camp, I would do 20 talks. Um, which is much, much different than people who do one keynote, right? Right. Um, you do one <laughs> keynote and you go and repeat that one keynote everywhere you go. It's like people are like, yeah, you should have one keynote. I'm like, man, I'd be so bored if I did one keynote. I used to have to go to a youth camp and do at least 10. Yep. Because they'd want you in the morning and the evening. Yep. Um, and so, and it's, you have to have a very different process for kind of loading the talk in your mind if you've got 10 other ones coming coming behind it. Um, absolutely. It's a much different people that understand that process. It's a very, it's a very unique skill. Um, but you learn, you learn a lot by going out there and doing that. I mean, granted, dude, I mean, I started doing this in, you know, 19, really speaking of like kids church in in early, early 1990s, 1990, probably. Mm. And so, you know, the first time I got paid for speaking was in 93, 94. So like, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years now wow. um, and that makes me feel really, really old. <laughs> um, but I've learned a lot and I've learned how to, how to like evolve and shift and change. Yep. Obviously when I first started, like, you know, there was no, there was no PowerPoint or keynotes that you were, you know, use, you weren't using slides. Um, and so I shifted my whole way that I'm putting my notes on my screen for myself now, you know, like when I teach in a corporation, like I don't have notes. They're all in my slide presentation. Yep. Um, all of my cues are in there versus, you know, 20 years ago, my cues would have all been on the back of a, of a, of a index card. 
<laughs> some post-it notes on some scripture references, you know? Yep. Um, when yep. I was speaking at churches. And so, um, you know, you, you, you sort of adapt to what the current situation is. And man, once you really know like what it is you really care about talking about yep. and then like why you really want to do that, what the, what the core, you know, I love C3PO and star Wars. Like what's, what's your binary motivator, man? What is that programming that like says like, what, why do, what do I really have? What was that thing that's just burning deep in me that I just, I can't not talk about now. Seth Godin, I actually had a conversation about that on, 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 my, on my most recent episode of my podcast at the time we're recording this. And, you know, he's like, man, I'm, I don't know that I'd do that professionally. And, you know, I, I don't have, I don't know of any other option, man, to do things I don't love and care deeply about. I don't work with anybody that I don't want to work with. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, and the older you get, man, the more you start, the more you start putting those boundaries up. Yep. The more yep. you start saying, you know, like, I'm not going to work with people that don't, I'm not going to work with people who steal my peace. Ooh, ooh, yes. Um, I'm not going to work with people who, you know, you start, you know, and you know, and you knew exactly who I was talking about. You, like you could, you could share stories that would, that would, would have people never call you again. Uh, with that sentence, right? Like I felt, I felt that one hit you, dude. And you know, and I, and I think you start to realize, like, you start to realize the more that you do this, the more that you, the more at bats, the you you learn like where the places and the things that you're not going to do, and the things that you you know, you know, air, you know, a big change in the last two years has been air travel. You know, I would I used to fly in, speak, and leave. That option, the world doesn't, you can't do that anymore. Mm. you've got to get in the day before because you just never know. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I see guys all the time. Uh, there's a, there's a guy that, that, that does, um, Scott Erickson is a, a guy that I know that does speaking and painting and he's always flying in the morning out of it. I'm like, dude, you were a brave son of a gun. My stress <laughs> level can't handle same day flights. Yes. I got to get in the night before relax. Um, I love seeing the city too. It helps me kind of acclimate to like, I like to I like to get in and kind of get positioned and relaxed. Yep. Uh, my wife has been super supportive of that. She's like, no, you need to stop with the getting there at the last minute and coming home right away. You're not any good. You're not any good when you get home anyways, when you come home and you're wiped out, like mm. be fully present there and then yep. come home and be fully present when you get home. That's good. Uh, That's really good. Go back. Let's go back for a second. So you talked about platform. I, I can remember you know, I followed Michael Hyatt, you know, I read every blog post and then platform came out and everyone's like, oh, we're going to take our blog to the next level. And there's this, there's this philosophy out there. I hear it all the time because speakers email me each week and they're like, I want to speak. I want to speak. I see you're speaking. How do you, how do you speak? And there's kind of this thought process. I think some speakers have that it's like, um, it kind of goes like this. The phone's going to ring. The emails are going to come in. <laughs> And what, what they don't see is it actually takes a whole lot of effort on the other side, building a platform, you know, like you talked about those questions in the beginning, honing your content, knowing your audience, and then actually reaching out to people and seeing if they will, if, if they want, if they want you, and then, and then we could talk about this later in the conversation, but then dealing with the, you know, no thank yous or unsubscribe me or, you know, the, the, <laughs> I got a really negative review on my podcast. Uh, last week, I probably shouldn't talk about it out loud, but no, talk about it out loud. 
I, you know, I love it. They, uh, let's you know, talk, let, let's talk to Karen for a minute. <laughs> I love when people give a negative review at a podcast. I know because it's like, dude, do you know? Do you know that you could literally just hit the unsubscribe button and never know that I exist again? Like, yep. So it's interesting. Is that the field uh, you're, you're blocking most of it? Is that the poster for Field of Dreams behind you on the floor? It is. Like, yes. Yes. You know that's interesting. We kind of all look at look at look at business like that, right? Like we look at like, oh man, if I build it, they will come. You know. Yep. And you know what's funny is one of the things that people talk a lot about right now, and, and, I, and you're gonna you're, you're gonna hear it and go, yep, is consistency. You know, man, if you were just consistent, you get out mm. and put the content out. But if you're consistently putting out garbage, nobody's gonna care, right? <laughs> um, just like apparently someone thought about your podcast, right? Yes. You know, it's it, it's. One of my favorite principles in life is that you're just one relationship away mm. from a different life. Yep. And if you're willing to slow down enough in life and in business to just be with people and get to know, I, I love, I love the name of your brand, dude, to speak with people. If you're able to just kind of like get off your high horse, um, you know, one of my struggles with that book and the, the big concept, um, I'm, I'm going to get hate mail. Um, you know, platforms are for pulling people up on them. Mm. They're not standing on. And if you're not pulling other people up on your platform, you don't need one. You don't deserve right. one. If you're not using it as a place to, like, bring attention to other people. Um, and, Matt, I hope you saw that at our event. You know, the good majority of the people that come to speak at the thing um, had no idea they would ever be a speaker. I mean, I mean, it's funny because we talk about her. But Liz Wilcox you know, came to the thing and the thing 2019 timid sat in the back row, um, was freezing the whole time because we kept the, she was in an American flag sweater. <laughs> like fear of public speaking. Um, and emailed me when I asked for, did call for speakers for 2020? Well, obviously 2020, we all know what happened then, but I was, I was one of the guys that I still did my event in 2020. We delayed it from, from May to November, because our event used to be in May in Orlando. We moved it to a house in Reunion, Florida. We had like a 20-bedroom house mm. that we did the event. And Liz came to speak, and we 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 had a movie theater. And that house, the movie theater in this house sat 40 people, if that gives you any indication of how big this house was. Uh, but we got a great deal on it because it was the pandemic, right? And Liz got on that stage, literally, and you could see, you could see the sweat rolling mm. from every Liz had, right? Like, and she just, she... And now, like, she's got, you know, over a half million dollar business, has spoken on hundreds of stages mm. and podcasts and platforms. And that, you know, I'm I'm not at all taking credit for her success because what, what made her successful is she had the boldness to show up, to mm. pick herself in the room, and then to ask and to grow and to do the work and to build the relationships. And she says yes a lot. Mm. Uh, and I think... I think ego is the number one thing and pride that will actually keep you from being successful in this space. Uh, if you, if you think that you're all that and you know, it's so funny. You mentioned, you mentioned the big deal people that, that, that are on my podcast and I'll be honest with you, man, they've been the easiest people for me to get <laughs> the people who think they're a big deal. Um, you know, even the people that I would consider to be a friend, you know, they're the ones that'll give you the grief and be like, well, you know, I got to, you know, it's just like, 
you know, and 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 there 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 are people that I I I've mentioned and you mentioned that couldn't buy to be on my show if they tried to get on my show. They could mm. they could give me a. There's one person in particular that could sh- literally show up and say, "I'll pay a million dollars to be on your podcast," and I would say, "Keep your money. Mm. I'm not giving you my platform." Um. And, but that person telling me no, after they had told me yes was actually how I ended up with Seth Godin on my podcast the first time because huh. I was mad. I was ticked off. I almost did one of those blogs where I was just like, Arr! but when they said no, I went and asked someone else and Seth emailed me back and said, hey, man, I'm in Africa, um, but I get back and I can do Tuesday. Can you do Tuesday? Well, of course, I was slammed on Tuesday, but everybody that was on Tuesday was happy to reschedule with me when I gave them the opportunity to because I was like, hey, man, I've got Seth Godin coming on the podcast and you and I are going to have to meet tomorrow. Uh, or the next time you have available, but it's not going to be today. Um, and, um, you know, I think I think that the thing that is going to stop most people is just this. We sort of feel like, you know, the fake it till you make it philosophy mm. that we've been taught. Yep. And I think what's keeping a lot of people from succeeding is the people that you're most equipped to actually help would actually be better, would be knocking at your door if you were just being real about where you were. And sharing your honest struggles and your honest, um, the things that are keeping you from succeeding and winning. Um, And if, if, if more people would just be honest, because you know what they always say, it's like, well, who should I help? You know, how do I know who I should serve? And honestly, the person that you're most equipped to help and serve is you three, six, 12 months ago, Mm. you know, not, you don't need to be this big, crazy expert that knows you know, astrophysics, you know, right. You need to know, but you need to be somebody that knows something and struggled with something and shares, um, you know, their real struggle. And the so best good. way that I know to share, to really help your people. And, and I know a lot of your audience is probably faith-based, but imagine hearing somebody get up at church and say, they're going to do a message on, 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 on prayer. And they get on stage and the first guy gets up and says, Hey, I'm going to share about prayer and about how just I am one of the best. I have one of the best prayer lives in the world. And I want to share with you 10 principles that I've learned from being super close to God. Or the person that gets on stage and says, man, I really struggle with prayer. I really struggle with quieting my life down enough to just admit that I need the help of God. Um, And Together, we're going to dive into scripture. We're going to dive into some of my struggles. And I hope that I can share through my struggle how you can learn to get through this. Which one of those people are you going to lean into and listen to and glean a lot from? But everyone tries to be that first person. Yep. They think that is the path to success. And that's the path to being um, a word that would just ended up being covered up with a beep on your podcast, right? <laughs> like, that, that, that's what that path is. Absolutely. Um, I think that's... Um, I think that's one of the struggles of the American church is, um, you know, we, I have a lot of friends that have been chewed up and spit out by the church, great communicators, um, pastors that have failed, done stupid stuff. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a guy in, in Birmingham, Alabama, Chris Hodges, that I look up to a ton um, because Chris just has a staff full of guys that are misfits and broken, jacked up people. Mm. And when everybody else is like, when everybody else is running from these people, Chris is running to them and hiring them and saying, hey, come here, come here and heal and get restored and rebuilt. 
Yep. And you know, and I think I think that those are the kind of people I want around in my life. Yeah. I want to be around those people and I want to be the kind of person that lives that kind of life, man. I want to be the kind of person that's that's serving and available to people and in in you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about the 5149 principle and that he wants to be the one that delivers more value in every relationship that he's in. Mm. And um, you know, if you look at if you look at all of our heroes in this space, man, Maxwell, um, all the way back to guys like Zig Ziglar, and you know, there's a list of people. Oh yeah, and every one of them would almost always say the thing that you do is you deliver the most value in the room, and you'll win. Mm. And if we could just learn to be the be people who just show up places and deliver value, and not necessarily deliver value to think that you might get something out of return out of that, but just because that's the kind of person that you are that you're going to show up, be good and deliver that, whatever that thing that you have to bring to the table is. And if you show up as a speaker and as a podcast guest, and as a person who just shows up like Santa with a bag of goods on their back and always just generous and leave the room better than you found it, man, you're going to have no trouble building a speaking career. That's so powerful. So powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Because people kind of have these, you know, well, I'm going to be a speaker and then I'll walk into the room and everybody will clap and then I'll leave. And you know, it's this, but, but you're, what you just hit on is just the most important part of it. Like we can't lose sight of delivering value and being there for people and, you know, and, and being, you know, I, I can remember years ago, you know, I, you know, I was at a conference. It was actually, um, 1990, want to say five, uh, Kobo hall in downtown Detroit. And John Maxwell was putting on one of his early, I mean, those were the days of like the Enjoy Life Club cassette mm-hmm. tapes that came in the mail. Yep. Oh, I couldn't, I could not wait for those. And he did this giant, you know, inspiring talk. And I remember him saying, you know, you've just got to always figure out how to make time, you know, for people and the people who want to learn from you and the people who used to be you you know, a year or two ago. And what you're talking about is just so critical. And that's just, I I hope, you know, from our listeners and the people listening to this who know me, I hope that that they will say, you know, oh yeah, Jason, you do that. You make time for people, you figure things out. I mean, that's, that's what kind of shocked me about you, you know, because I've seen your stuff in the past and then I got to a place this fall and you reached out and, you know, uh, we're like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta join us. I, I, I love that part of it. And a lot of the quote unquote speaking programs out there, you know, I love them all. I've learned so much from them, but they don't teach that part of it. They don't teach the, you know, be extremely generous, deliver more value than you, you know, like I, I love, I love those steps and reminding people, you know, those are the important things to do. Well, friends, this concludes this part of this episode. Because this episode was filled with, we just packed it with such amazing insights and wisdom. We have been able to split it into two parts. And so we hope you enjoyed this first part. Get ready for part two. We're going to air it this Friday and can't wait for you to experience it. See you then. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Speak With People podcast. We hope that you were encouraged. We hope that you were inspired and challenged to improve your communication skills. I want to thank you again for being a part of the Speak With People podcast community. Make sure you don't miss out on being a part of the Speak With People Facebook community group. Just head to Facebook, type in Speak With People, scroll down and join our community because every single day we're encouraging each other. We're helping each other to improve our communication skills. Thanks again. And we'll see you in the next episode.